I'm going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a 3 I I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones of a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to going deep with Donovan Bennett. It is going deep, and there is only one topic today, and that is DeMar Hamlin, his health, and the mental health of the teammates that were around him. By now you know, so certainly you don't need too much of the backstory, but it was supposed to be the game of the year. Because of the significance and the playoff implications, now, quite frankly, it's insignificant because of the real-life implications. Lots of aspects of this situation are, in my mind, inappropriate to talk about until we have more information. That info is fluid, so we will do our best. Understand that this is somewhat dated if you're going to be listening to it in the podcast form, but certainly we'll try to put in context what happened in the motions around it. And the key thing is those emotions, because they were different last night. We've seen players who've been paralyzed in games before, and games have continued. But this was much more than that. It was on video, in real time. And the first thoughts went to the person. And so first, I thought we should probably humanize the person, who is more than just a player. DeMar Hamlin is 24 years old. He was a six-round pick in 2021. He's from the University of Pittsburgh. Started 14 games this season, 807 snaps, third most on the team. But more importantly, he's overcome adversity his whole life. He lost three friends to gun violence as a kid, battled through hernia surgeries in college, and got the opportunity to be drafted in the sixth round. He worked hard to replace an injured but star safety for the Bills and was on one of the best teams in football on a playoff run, weeks away potentially, maybe being in a Super Bowl, all cashing in the investment that his parents made in him. They opened a cleaning service to support his football dreams. And with that platform, all he's done is given back to his hometown of Pittsburgh in every chance he got. You, I'm sure, saw by now that the toy drive that he started for kids in his hometown last I saw was over 3 million when it was around 25,000 uh, last night. We will share the information on how you can continue to support that fund if you so choose. But one of the quotes in doing some research about him somewhat chilling earlier this season after practice, he said, I'm cherishing every moment I can quote that reads different today than when it was first uttered. And he was injured last night at 8.55, left the stadium in an ambulance at 9.25. Hospital, luckily, is 10 minutes away, went to University Cincinnati Hospital, which is two miles from the stadium. And we talk a lot about, in sports, clutch and performance under pressure. Well, I think what we saw last night was clutch. The NFL EVP of Health and Safety, Jeff Miller, says that their emergency action plan 
which each team rehearses annually, and there's a conversation about it before game, worked flawlessly. And thankfully, it did. And so we continue to hopefully uh, get news. But the other thing that worked was we saw real leadership. Uh, when the officials gave each team five minutes to warm up before resuming play, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor walked across the field and consulted Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Both coaches sent their teams to respective locker rooms. And certainly we, we saw the grace that was necessary. We'll, we'll talk about the spot the ball mentality in the sport of football later with a former teammate of mine, uh, Michael Folds. We'll talk about the anguish that you're thinking of, not only for DeMar Hamlin and his family, but but you know the players and their families with my mom, who I put in a similar situation by choosing to play the sport. And we'll talk about, sadly, the news aspect of it and the doom scrolling that happened on social media with Sid Sixero later in this episode. But I, I think first and foremost, I want to talk to someone who knows the team, knows the sport, and knows the player appreciably well. And for me, the, the, the person who can provide that perspective is Nate Geary. Bill's pregame and halftime show hosts for WGR 550. Thank you, Nate. And one of the things that's really important is first and foremost, you know, putting in perspective, you know, what we saw and where the mind went. And, and you professionally cover the team, but you're, you're still a human being who interacts with these people on a daily basis. What was last night like for you personally? Well, thanks for having me, Donovan. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was incredibly difficult. I was um, last night tasked with um, kind of filling airtime while we sort of fi figured out what the next steps were for both the player and the human, and then obviously the next steps of what were what was going to happen with the game. And, um, you know, listen, um, uh, when I was uh, was on my senior night in high school, um, I was knocked unconscious and woke up in the back of an ambulance on a stretcher with, you know, completely immobilized with my face mask cut off and my jersey cut up the center. Um, and I saw I, I can tell you from experience, there's a real there, there's a certain feeling of helplessness and a certain feeling. And, and the scariest part of this whole situation is. You know, I'm not sure DeMar had the opportunity to wake up uh, and, and sort of understand the gravity of the situation and, and the situation he found himself in. Um, so that's also a really difficult thing to think about as someone who's, you know, kind of been through a situation that, you know, not on the same scale as that, but a, a scary one. And, and thinking about, you know, my parents that were in the stands and um, the, my family that was there, my grandparents, it's my senior night. It was supposed to be a celebration. Um, much like the game yesterday was supposed to be a celebration of two of the best teams in the AFC. Um, and it quickly turned into, you know, a nightmare scenario where a player who is, listen, it, it's, it's easy after tragedy to talk about a person and the things he does for his community and the hard worker he is and all the catchphrases you hear um, from people that are close to him. Um, but there's a genuine um, and if you didn't see it yesterday on the broadcast, the love this team has for each other, and it sounds cliche, it can almost sound a little corny. Um, this is one of the closest teams in the NFL, um, and you sort of saw yesterday just that, that closeness 
was on display at the brotherhood that was on display. And um, with DeMars, the former sixth round pick, uh, a guy who started 14 games this season, um, who has earned everything that has been given to him in the NFL and over the course of his playing career, um, seeing college teammates, seeing other NFL players, people in the quote fraternity, um, talking about the, the, the worker and the person he is on and off the fields um, speaks a lot to, to who he is. And, you know, I, I can tell you everyone going into the office this morning, uh, it's gloomy here in, in Western New York. Um, you, know, you could hear a pin drop in my office of 20 of something people this morning. So it's, um, it's resonating throughout, not just I'm sure Bill's fans, but the community at large. No question. And I, maybe because of my experience with the sport, just assumed the game would continue, even though it was clear yeah. it shouldn't, because we have a just spot the ball mentality in the sport. And this is even with grave injuries, whether you know we've had, obviously, um, Howard Glenn you know, broke his neck in an AFL game. You know, Chuck Hughes died after collapsing during an, an NFL game. Outside of 9-11... The game yeah. continues to be played. What did you make of the fact that the coaches took control and said, protocol be damned, this is what's happening? Yeah, I mean, a lot of respect to Bengals coach Zach Taylor. Um, definitely just kind of all in all a really difficult situation, an unprecedented one. There's no playbook on this. I think there will be now. Um, that something like this has happened. And sometimes in life, not just football, but <clears throat> in, in other professions, it's hard to prepare for things in, until they happen. And now that it's happened, I think there's, you know, I do, I do think the NFL has to, has to take a long look in the mirror about how they communicate this sort of situation. And, and I think the lapses in communication where, you know, fans are in the stands, um, you know, you're getting very minimal media looks at the coaches who are clearly on the phone with league offices and the national with the uh, with the NFL Players Association, um, and you know everyone was sort of sitting and waiting. And they're, they're, in a situation like this, communication is, I think, one of the keys to this. And it was very obvious to me um, that as soon as the teams went to the locker room, this game was over. Um, and I think that should have been communicated sooner and it could have been communicated sooner in a better way just to let people know um, that the game is going to be canceled because what then ha happens is everything, you know, especially in the instant gratification, social media world, everything becomes hyperbolic. Everything becomes, you know, okay, well, they can't play and, and, and this and that. And, and I think the NFL it has to be able to understand in situations like that, that communication to the public, to the media, leaving ESPN, you know, and, and the announcers and then back at the studio to sort of buy time waiting for an announcement from the league, um, I think was unfair to the, to the broadcast and to the crews, um, just put the, putting them in really an impossible situation. So I think the communication from a public relations perspective um, is something that you really have to look at and, and how they sort of react and, and uh, communicate these sort of events because it is the NFL. Um, it is a highly violent game. Um, but what we saw yesterday was, um, you know, something that no one has, it's, you can't prepare for it. Um, but having said that, yeah, I mean, the, the coaches, um, deserve a whole heck of a lot of credit. The leadership that was shown, the sportsmanship that was shown by the Bengals. And listen, this is these are two organizations that have a very unique history. Um, they're they're similar communities culturally. 
Um, they are smaller markets, and they're bonded together by the 2017 um, game where Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Boyd's still on the roster, and helped the Bills make the playoffs that year, and donating all that money to Andy Dalton's you know, foundation. And these are two franchises that, that are in lockstep with you know, who we are as people and who we are as a community. Um, and I've grown to just downright admire, um, A, the franchise, uh, the players within it, and, uh, and head coach Zach Taylor learned a lot of respect and uh, admiration for me, and I know a lot of people here in Western New York as well. Well, you've got my admiration for the way that you've been able to cover it, and I know you'll continue uh, to provide perspective um, with not only facts but also empathy. So, so thank you for providing your perspective, both personal in a situation like this and professional. My pleasure, man. Anytime. And, you know, Nate uh, hit it right on the head and, you know, give him a follow at Nate Gary Sports on Twitter. You know, we use cliches all the time. This is a do-or-die game. I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to risk it all. We get desensitized to speaking like that when the fact is you're actually taking a real risk when you're playing a sport. I played football, and I'll tell you, you're playing a child's game, but it has adult consequences. Playing Pro football is a dream for many, but it can become a nightmare for a select few. You know, if you lose the lottery of being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong contact in what is a collision sport. We've grown accustomed to players going down with head injuries or injuries in general, putting that thumbs up as they're being carted off. Scary scenes like the one Nate described himself. But what happens when we become desensitized to that Culture. I want to actually talk to my teammate who's been in that spot, former teammate of mine, Michael Foltz, who is now the head coach of the Wilfrid Laurier Golden Hawks, former Yates Cup champion and coach of the year. How do you manage that as a competitor, as an athlete, but now as a coach? How does he manage those emotions? And the real responsibility to parents and players' future lives as, as they are young men. So... Let's go deep and listen and learn from Michael Folds. Mike, buddy, thank you for taking the time in is I think our worst nightmare as people part of the football community that we watched and witnessed in prime time. I'm fascinated on your perspective because you hold so many hats in our community. You played the game and put yourself at risk you coach it now so you have to manage these situations and the motions of players but also you have a duty of care to parents when you recruit them to come to your school and also you have young children who could play the sport watching that wearing all those hats last night what came to your mind yeah first off thanks for having me on and your first emotions are just of concern Right. So other than the 70,000 people in the stadium that maybe got to see a little bit more, just like most people, I was tuning into my TV and, you know, oftentimes they'll cut to a commercial break uh, when there's an injury. And, and that's common in the football world. We're all used to that as fans. Um, but when they come back from commercial break, you hope that that player 
has been, you know, taken by the medical professionals to the sideline. They give you a quick update and the game resumes. What was shocking and concerning last night and everyone tuning in got to see it is when the cameras came back, the images were of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and all of the coaches and even some of the Bengals players of concern. Um, and the immediate reaction then uh, goes to a place of this isn't just any other injury. There is a real medical concern on the field. So um, you're right, as a former player and now as a coach, um, the whole football community um, will, and, and even just sports fans around uh, are concerned for DeMar. Obviously, uh, we got uh, news that his mom was in the stadium, so you're concerned for her. Um, and just wishing them all the best, um, that it is a recovery. Um, you know, there was mention that uh, the Cincinnati hospital nearby is top notch and that they were able to uh, get his heart going again last night. So um, you, you've got to try to be optimistic. But uh, my immediate reaction was uh, of most shock and concern. Well, if you've played the game and you're watching in a weird way, you know the injuries right away based on what happens and how people are reacting. So, you know, on your couch, you'll be like, oh, that's an ACL. Oh, that's a separated shoulder. How people fall, how they're lying on the ground, how people react. And this felt different. You thought, okay, maybe concussion you know, fell back on his head. But then the way people were reacting and the length of time they weren't moving, and you're thinking you want to stabilize and get the player somewhere else for better care, then your mind starts to go other places. You've been in the spot where an ambulance has been on the field for players, and you have to manage as a coach. Take me through the matrix of things that are going through your mind at that point managing a situation. Yeah, good question. And you're you're right. And that's what a lot of people might have not seen during the commercial breaks. And then we, we saw it with both the Cincinnati and, and the Bills head coaches being together with the lead official. Um, so two times this year, both uh, with Laurier playing the Ottawa GGs and with Laurier playing uh, the Guelph Griffins, uh, we did have incidents where ambulances were called. And it's exactly as the cameras kind of panned to last night. Um, usually the medical staff are the first on the field um, and the quickness of them going onto the field usually lets you know the severity. And then oftentimes at our level and, and different levels of football, you'll have both medical staffs. And when it's not just the team of the injured player, when both, both medical staffs and any doctors in the facility are on the field, uh, then your concern rate goes up. Um, so the next thing that really happens is both head coaches get together. And at that point, uh, there is no concern of the football game. Whatever the score is, whatever the quarter is, whatever has happened up until that point, your immediate concern goes for the injured player on the field. Um, so then the next steps are, are talking to the lead official and, and figuring out what the severity is in terms of uh, will there be an ambulance called? What type of break is there going to be? So in last night's uh, game, we all got to witness um, both head coaches kind of get together. There was kind of chatter from the commentators like Joe Buck talking about uh, once uh, Hamlin is removed from the field, kind of five minutes to warm up and, and then the teams were going to resume playing the game. And I think everyone, the longer 
uh, DeMar was on the field, the concern rose and obviously you saw the reactions from the players. Um, and that just like anyone else, I was tuning into my TV. Uh, you recognize that this game could not continue on. Um, no person, whether it's a player, coach, staff was in a position to be thinking of football. Um, in the cases that I brought up that we had this year with the ambulance coming uh, to the field, it is kind of as Joe Buck was explaining. Um, the ambulance leaves the facility. Both teams kind of get five to ten minutes uh, to resume uh, their warm-ups, and then the game does continue. What I think was different last night, um, you know, was there was concern for the players' um, long-term health. Whereas in the incidents that most football players and coaches are used to, there is no concern for the player's long-term health. Um, it might be a significant injury, um, but something that might, you know, take months to recover, maybe weeks to recover, uh, not life-threatening, which we all experienced last night. So I can only imagine what those coaches were going through. Um, and I think all of us in the football world applauds them for making the decision that let's send the players to the locker room. We're in no position to continue this game tonight. You know, the real talk aspect of it is we've had players paralyzed and maybe their life hasn't been threatened, but certainly quality of life moving forward is threatened. And the mentality is, okay, once the chopper leaves the vicinity of the stadium, spot the ball. We're still playing, right? Their mentality, no matter the injury in our sport, has historically been move the drill, just spot the ball, right? get on to the next play. And I thought they were going to play the game because it was ingrained in me that in the sport that is the culture, no matter. This obviously was unique and, and different. The way you coach with some empathy, there is like a level of duty of care for you when you're recruiting uh, young players and you're going into their living rooms and talking to their families. How do you balance and manage essentially what we have in terms of traditionally things have been done a certain way in football with understanding that like, well, sometimes there's a bigger picture. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And you're right. Um, injuries are fairly common in all sports, right? Um, but I think you have to look at the magnitude and the severity of the injury, obviously. Um, you know, your example of move the drill is common in football. You know, if, if someone in practice, you know, rolls an ankle or even a shoulder injury or a knee injury, um, obviously there's immediate concern. But once you realize the severity and not diminishing an ankle, a shoulder or a knee, but that the person is going to be okay, you want to continue on with that practice. And you simply do, as you explained, move the drill. Um, when it's something, you know, regarding neck, head trauma, obviously, uh, there's definitely more concern. Um, and the more concern, like I explained earlier, that the medical professionals have um, is, is obviously when you as a coach, you as a player have more concern. Um, so I think the big difference last night, and this is just as a viewer, like anyone else, is seeing the reaction of, you know, head coach Sean McDermott, of seeing the reaction of Josh Allen and then the people close in the organization to DeMar on the field, uh, let you realize that this wasn't an ankle, it wasn't a knee, um, it wasn't even just a concern, you know, 
spinal injuries, um, like you, you mentioned, we've seen uh, from time to time. Uh, this was concern for Demar's life, and with that, obviously, football goes out the window. Uh, you're concerned for a young man's life. You're concerned for his family that's in the stadium, um, and the whole football community just is trying to rally around and 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 wish him and his family well. Lastly, before I let you go, the reality is I don't know when some of those players are going to be able to play. There is a thought that, well, at some point, league business is going to get back and we're on to the week schedule. There's, there's going to be a game on Thursday. There are playoff implications. But if you were on that field and witnessed what you witnessed and – we say in football, these are our brothers, not, you know, just to say it. You spend so much time with these people, they become your brothers. There is certainly a short-term and long-term mental health toll that is going to be tough to get back up to playing uh, football. You manage the emotions of, of young football players. What do you imagine is being done, you know, by staff, by team support, in the interim, obviously, Buffalo uh, flew back to Buffalo uh, to make sure that everyone has a pulse on on how each individual player is doing because they're all different. Yeah, and I, I was curious to see that. I was, you know, almost even tracking the Bills buses leaving the stadium and whether they were going to fly back. And that was kind of going to let you know, were they just going to delay the game for 24 hours and play on a Tuesday night? And maybe if DeVar, DeMar's uh, vital signs and everything was checking out that he was making a great recovery, they might have been in a place to do so. But with the magnitude and the uncertainty, um, you know, the decision to fly back home was the right one. And uh, obviously everyone went through a traumatic experience. So uh, none of the Bills players, even none of the Bengals players who witnessed it live uh, would be in a position to, to play a football game. And uh, as I mentioned, it, it's bigger than the sport. Your concern goes to the athlete and his family. Um, but as we all know, too, on the other side of that, um, the NFL is a business. And, you know, there will be 32 teams playing this week at some point. Um, so what happens with this final game Um you know, of this week, uh, does it get postponed? Does, is there a, an automatic tie? Um, you know, do the Bills just concede the win? There's a lot of questions to be answered, and I'm sure that was part of the reason for the NFL's hour delay in calling the game. Um, just a personal opinion, I, I think they realized the game was going to be canceled right from the first five minutes when, when both teams left the sideline. But I think they were trying to hash out, okay, what do we say in terms of communication for this game? And I think with the unknown certainty of the health of DeMar, I think they made the right decision to not uh, decide what they're going to do. Let's, let's make sure his health, uh, his family's well-being is top-notch um, uh, frame of mind in terms of our concern and worry about the football game later. Um, and that's what the whole sporting world is is agreeing upon on this case, is that with the magnitude and severity of the medical injury, we need to be concerned with his health and that the football game will be taken care of at a later date. 
Well, there is an archetype of a football coach, disciplined, hard, taskmaster, competitive, and that is the case because it's true. But we saw last night that you can lead uh, with love and with empathy as well. And I think those two coaches saved not only their players, they saved the league a little bit. Um, love having your perspective because you're cut from the same cloth. So thank you for breaking it down for us, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Michael Folds, head coach of the Wilfrid Lurie Golden Hawks. He's family, so I suppose if my children decide to play football, he would have first right of refusal in recruiting them. But you heard there the empathy in his voice, why many parents choose to send their children to play football for him. Now, we will continue to talk about this story with Sid Sixero after the break. Stay with us. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson is a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that you had the show. Thank you. On this show, we'll continue to talk about this. We'll have some medical professionals later in the week. But I'm going to be honest. At this point, I don't really want analysis. I just want to process how I feel, how others feel. I do feel this. Lisa Salters, Ryan Clark, Scott Van Pelt, Susie Kolber, Boogie McFallen, Adam Schefter, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Coley Harvey, Ben Baby put on a masterclass of journalism last night. Didn't speculate, delivered just two things, facts and empathy. That's what being a journalist is about. I'm sure the last thing they wanted to do in that moment was fill for hours, but they did it respectfully. And sometimes with these stories, they become so big, they bleed into our news coverage. And often, as you know now, we catch up with Sid Sixero on Tuesdays when he has the time, and thankfully he's made it because he's touched on this and other things this morning on breakfast television, and he's kind to join us now. And Sid, off the top, I, I just want to know two things. One, how did you react to what happened last night? Because it was at the cusp of when you have to shut it down because you are hosting a morning show live nationally. And then two... How did you react to how everyone else reacted to what happened? Because we're in this weird space now where you can't even have your own emotions. You have to see everyone else's emotions play out on social media. Uh, morning, Donovan. Nice conversation with Coach Falls, by the way. Nice job. Um, I was about to go to sleep. And a notification came across my phone that said, DeMar Hamlin needs CPR game suspended. Suffice to say, I didn't sleep right away. So I'm trying. I'm trying to get some. Sh- like I'm up at three thirty. So I'm trying to get some shut eye, and it's just kind of difficult. So I woke up to what I thought I'd wake up to. Uh, this this cornucopia of immense sympathy and intelligent conversation and on the other end, idiots, which is basically what social media. Is. So I kind of I was in a weird spot where I had to kind of rewatch it a little later than most people. And one of the like other aside from Demar's health 
and his family and thinking of them, the broadcaster and me and Donovan, I don't know if you kind of, like you were watching in the moment, it was different for you, but one of my secondary and tertiary thoughts were how did Joe Buck handle this? How did Lisa Salters handle this? And look, I think in moments like that, look, I'm going to, I'm going to level with you. There's a lot of people in the broadcasting business that aren't very good. They are put in limited spots and they are not pressed to perform under any type of duress in terms of a lack of information. It is not an easy spot to be in. Hopefully no broadcaster has to be in that position, but life happens. And I thought all of the names you just mentioned, um, specifically Ryan Clark and SVP after the fact were on point in a very serious moment. And, um, Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman and, and, and Lisa on the field did the best they could because they knew what we knew, which was nothing other than shock. Because I watch, I watch back that whole 10 minutes, and Joe, you can hear it in Joe Buck's voice as it goes along uh, how desperate it's getting because you can see it on the screen. You can feel it in the stadium. And you have to still have some, some measure of control as the lead play-by-play guy. Because DeMar has family watching, too. They're not just all at the stadium. So I was kind of watching that. And um, so kudos to a lot of broadcasters who handled that in a very, very proper way. I thought Ryan Clark was unbelievable last night. He was unbelievable. Um the other thing I keep thinking about today is the people, the medical officials on the field working on him for about 10 minutes. If you're in that, if you are in it and trying to revive him after six, what are you thinking? After seven minutes, what are you thinking? I know what his teammates were thinking. You could see it. I knew what the op- I knew what the Bengals were thinking. You could see it. And everyone at home was drawing the same conclusion from what they could from what they could tell. But the diligence of of those doctors and trainers on the field, I don't know how this is going to play out because he's still in a really bad bad spot. But the man was dead for like ten minutes, and I'm I'm still that's the part of last night where if you're, I understand the NFL. Listen, the NFL have a three billion dollar contract with ESPN and ABC. I understand there are people who were thinking about getting that game underway once again, because as business people, that's all, you know, I don't fault people for that. Donovan, you and I have dealt with a a lot of people in this business who don't know what it's like in our trenches. And then they need, you know, maybe they get a different perspective and other decisions are made. It happens all the time. They're not evil people, but to try and resume a game, where the Bills thought for 10 minutes a teammate had just died in front of them was never realistic. And same goes for the Bengals. Because the physical health of this is one thing. The mental health of everyone around there is a complete other thing. Donovan, how many times, let's, I mean, let's go back to the London days. You just talked to Coach Falls. Let's go back to Western University of Western. How many times did you go on a field where your mind, for whatever reason, personal or otherwise, was maybe somewhere else a little bit? 
How often did that happen to you? Um, yeah. I mean, not often. Not I, often. I would assume not often, yeah. but it, did it happen? Yeah, maybe a couple times. Dangerous spot to be in, right? Yes. You're a tailback. If you're not 100% focused on every piece of minutia that's going on around you, whether it's the playbook, it's defensive audibles, whatever it is, you could, you could put yourself in a really dangerous spot. There was no way those players last night could process anything else that was going on in the game after watching them. So here's my thing, though, because my mind wandered to two soccer incidents. Denmark's Christian Eriksen in 2021, Bolton's Fabrice Wamba in 2012. Obviously, you know, Eriksen is a, is a great story. Both are, are still with us, thankfully. But we, we've, whether it's in the Pronger scenario that people you know, have been tweeting about or what we've seen in soccer or... Yuri Fisher, 2006. I went back to that. Yes, okay. There's another good one. The defibrillator yeah. right there. It, like, he was very lucky. Yeah. It's very rarely does the game stop for anything or anyone. Correct. Correct. And, and so, I, to me, I read that as sometimes you have a process and a protocol that leads to bad outcomes. And no one had the chain of command or authority to stop it other than those two coaches who said, wait, wait a minute. We see things here that maybe some people in Secaucus or Manhattan uh, don't. And so the, the doom scrolling that was happening where this was the village to burn down the NFL and Roger Goodell, I thought was somewhat short-sighted. Like, at this point, who cares about that conversation? Can we park that for at least a day? And, and actually, you know, like, I, I have no energy to be angry at anyone right now. I, I feel sick to my stomach. That's the, that's the aspect that I necessarily couldn't get on board. But the other conversation I had in my mind was, sure, we're going to cancel the game and we're not going to play. But listen, if I'm Stefan Diggs, can I play tomorrow? Like, there's a, there's a real aspect of at some point someone's going to play football again. But I don't necessarily know, one, when you will get declarative news, and two, if anyone in that locker room is going to be up for it. And there are 53 guys, and they all have different emotions. So I, I, I'm fascinated and somewhat terrified as to where this goes in terms of the decisions that might be made. But I really, really hope that we have some good news to make some of those decisions less awkward because we know they're not as important. I, I agree with that. The one, the one thing, look, I mean, just, just as a general statement, I think we all, anyone who's talking about this today on any medium has to say that the, the most shocking moment was obviously the moment to DeMar. Everything else is, is, is below that. But let me bring up something that is below that. When that, when, when that started to filter in my mind last night about, okay, they might not finish this game. I thought, okay, Bills, Bills stay in town. They can figure this out. Maybe they play Wednesday. I'm not sure. When I, when I had heard they went home, when I heard the Buffalo Bills got on a plane and went home, that said to me, don't even talk about getting out of the woods on this yet with this young man. Because if he, Don, I mean, you know how it is. If he gets, if he gets, if he's feeling if he's, if he's awake and lucid and texting teammates and saying, listen, um, it's going to be a while for me, but go get him, maybe the feeling's different. The fact that they all went home 
means DeMar Hamlin has a journey here. And to your point, it's a, and, it's a, and it's a very relevant point. I don't know when that room in Buffalo is, is ready to play again. Like, let's, like, that's not, that was a fairly routine-ish play we saw last night, right? That's the scariest like, part. That's the scary, like, that we need to, we need to really let that one stand out as well. This wasn't, this wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Stefan Diggs went up to, to catch a pass and two guys are waiting on him on the way down and he just gets creamed. This was very different. There's and, people screaming about rule changes and player protocol. Like, there's no rule change that changes that play. Say that again for the people in the back. There's no there's no rule change that changes that play. Like you, I would you, you, you just agree. don't play contact sports at that point. But and the other and the other thing, not to get into this aspect of it, how do you look at that play with that young man? And if you're a union, not shut down the league for five years to get guaranteed contracts. I don't don't talk to me about the signing bonuses. Don't talk that if, that if, that affects 10% of the league on the high end in any serious way. Don't talk to me about signing bonuses. I, I, I see that. And I, I said this with, with Tua earlier this year, numerous times. And every time an incident like this happens, maybe not to this extent, we rarely see it to this extent. The man was dead on the field for 10 minutes. But this sport is running into a garage 50 times a day. That's a game. That is a scientific toll that, that a body goes through. No guaranteed contract. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. It's, it's not on the tip of anyone's tongue today, Deej, and I understand. It's the weakest union I've ever seen in sports. Yeah, it's well, the weakest union I've ever seen. Yeah, well, uh, sadly, supply and demand uh, dictates that. But, but maybe um, you know, some outrage and some reality um, will change that. I, I will bother you. Uh, Whenever you have time, because we need to put Pele's life and career in perspective. But sadly, we've run out of the time, and, and, and maybe you know for some reason we can do that another day. They, yeah. This is the story today. I'm, I'm with it. This Th- is, we can do that another day. Thank you for once sure. again for breaking it down with me, buddy. Love you, man. Take care. Love you too. And you know, Sid mentioned it right. Playing football is high risk, high reward. But you know, I, I, I watched that last night. And I said, man, is is it the stupidest decision I've ever made? Because quite frankly, it's illogical. Yet it's given me the joy that I have in, in many aspects of my life, including it's, it's the way I've, I met my wife, who I later married, who gave me you know, two great kids, and that's the woman I love. But the, I know I, I put another woman I love in jeopardy, and that's my mom. So I want to know her perspective on it. Cleo Bennett. Hi, Mom. Hi, DJ. Congratulations on your show. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to touch in on your perspective uh, and your feelings? Because uh, quite frankly, when I saw what happened, my thoughts went to you. How did you feel when you saw what happened to Tamar uh, Hamlin? Uh, what were the first thoughts that came to your mind? Well, fear for him because he's so young and also immediately to his mom because I couldn't imagine how she's feeling right now. And also I felt really sad for for the other player that was involved, because obviously you don't want to hurt anybody when you're playing, but 
I never imagined that something so serious could even happen from from that. I always um, would have been afraid of like getting bones broken, you know, concussions. Recently started thinking about concussions, but I don't think I thought about that back then. But I would have never imagined that a player could suffer a heart attack that was triggered by the hit maybe from someone who had underlying issues or something, but I never imagined that something like that could happen. So I was really fearful for everybody involved. And then seeing that they lit up the stadiums and that fans from both sides were waiting outside of the hospital. It was really sad. Well, you mentioned it, so I'll I'll ask it now. If you knew then when me and Anton were playing football, what you know now, would you have let us play football? Nope. No. No. And I also thought, oh, there there it goes for uh, for Rowan and Des. I think Rowan more so than Des because I see Rowan more so as a as a athlete and Des more as a scholar. But I thought, okay, well, that's it. That's it for them now. But no, definitely not. I wouldn't. I remember once you got <clears throat> injured. And you were lucky not to get injured that I can remember from the, the tougher sports like you would have imagined getting injured at rugby and football. But I think you got injured once in baseball. And I ran out onto the field and got scolded by your coach, Paul, that parents are not allowed on the fields. I didn't know because <laughs> I was just so worried. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely I don't think so. Mm-mm. And for context, Rowan and Des are my two sons her grandsons, her current babies. And I got injured in baseball running into wall to, to make a catch. But what was it so like? So it was self-inflicted even. I suppose. What was I yeah. supposed to do, Mom? Not catch the ball? It, well, it's, probably. It's, it's part of the job description. As you see, <laughs> we have different priorities. Yes. What was Your it team? like? <laughs> yes. Uh, what was it like for you when... Myself and Anton were playing, and we'd be down on the field. I always wanted to consciously get up as fast as possible. Part of me... So so that that, I wouldn't run out? Well, that you wouldn't worry, but also, too, to show the other team I wasn't really bothered by that hit. But what was it like for you if we took a big hit or were down on the field? It was always scary. Like, the longer you stayed down, like, the more nervous it was. Like, I expected, of course you know, based on the position that you guys played, that you were going to get hit. But if you stayed down and, you know, the medic had to come out or your coaches or teammates had to help you up, that was pretty scary because you never know. But again, I was always afraid of broken bones. Nothing more serious than that at the time. Things have really changed. Like the more you learn about the types of injuries that that the players can sustain from, from these contact sports. Well, and that's why I thought of you last night watching because my thoughts went to Hamlin's mom knowing how you felt as a mom and I felt such empathy for her. And then I thought to myself, well, I didn't really have the same amount of empathy for my own mother. I was happy to play and didn't really care about the consequences and what it made other people feel. But lastly, before I let you go, when we were done playing, when we were through and okay, how did you feel at that point? Thank God. You made it. Made it through the other side in one piece. Yeah, it's interesting because, as I've said many times, everything that's good in my life has come from the game of football, including this job. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. me and my wife and those two grandkids that you referenced, but also I did for the better part of my young life make a choice to put myself in harm's way that had an emotional toll on you. So, so thank yeah. you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> Thanks. Love you, mom. You too. So that's my mama. Uh, and that's our show. Thinking of Tamar Hamlin, his mama, extended family, his teammates. And quite frankly, I'm thinking of a lot of people who watched that, who struggled with it, who are hoping and praying for good news. We'll continue to touch on this story throughout the week. Hopefully, we have some good news. Take care.